0: How do prayer that? When you think about your prayer life, what does it consist of? Um, if you're like most, our prayers somewhat tend to follow one crisis to the next. We, we, we can tend to be crisis glory. We have a need. Something is urgent. Something is going on. Something bad has happened. Um, and we need God and we want God's intervention, attention. And so we pray. Not to say that that's a bad time to pray. My heart, though, is to challenge us that it goes beyond that and that we really get a new uh, revelation of what prayer really is. And that you begin to enjoy prayer, and, and, and when you get to the heart of what praying really is, that we would see God in a new way. And so today we are continuing this ongoing series called 52. Um, this is a series that I felt like the Lord put in my heart some time back based on uh, the book of Nehemiah. Um, Nehemiah again is, is is an old Testament book um, about the history um, of Israel at a time when they were in captivity um, if you rewind you know God's blessing was upon his people Israel they had rebelled continually rebelled against god there were good times and good seasons and bad seasons in those bad seasons basically it boiled down to uh, that the people of Israel said so we will be god of our own lives we will do whatever we're going to do we reject god from being lord and and uh, we're going to go our own and, what, and and God, God in His heart and His love for the people would always call them back to Himself through the prophets and God would um, allow circumstances to happen. He said, you know, if you go your own way, there are some horrible consequences ahead. And, and, and sometimes they would just reject that and they would go and they would fall off that proverbial cliff, and, and so they're up and down, so sometimes to sometimes they would return back to God, and, and at this time, in Israel history, and you can read about it, one of the big major prophets is Jeremiah, who tells him, you're going to go into captivity. you're going to, because of sinfulness, disobedience, you're becoming God, the people of Israel are going to be scattered into all the nations around the region, and and, and that's exactly what happened, because to the consequences of the sinfulness. And so you have this man, Nehemiah, who this book uh, is written about. He is working for a foreign king. He is a part of the group that is exiled, and he is the cupbearer of the king. He, uh, he brings the king wine, and uh, that was, again, that was kind uh, of a very good job because somebody was trying to poison the king. The cupbearer got to endure the first uh, bit of that, and uh, and it didn't go well with them. But uh, we have Nehemiah. He is working with a servant of the king. He gets word some of the people are going back to, God is calling them back to Jerusalem, and, and it is a return, and, and God's promise was, that if you return to me and you turn your hearts back to me, I will bring you back, and I will give you everything that I promised you, and that is good news for us, and in this book, in the Old Testament, we find the good news of Jesus, we find the gospel that if when we turn our hearts back to God, that which was torn down, God can rebuild. That which, 학cence, which scattered, God can redeem our lives and our hearts. And so, God is beginning to bring people back. And so, one of Nehemiah's brothers sends word, and he brings word to Nehemiah, and he says, People are returning back because the walls of Jerusalem are torn down and they've been burned with fire. And he's grieved. And I mean, this true. is just bad news. I mean, you know, the, the, what, what was the symbol of strength? And great honor, um, you know, where the walls around the city was the protection. It was, you know, the sign of God's protection. But because of sinfulness, the walls were torn down and misused them. And so he begins, when he gets to word, he, he, he's obviously very sad, but he begins to pray to God. And he begins to, you know, it's interesting because here's a crisis time, I mean, it, 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 he's gotten bad news. And the first thing out of his mouth is not God... Please do something. Why is it, Why is this all happening? What's going on? He first of all he proclaimed to God. and He said, "God, you are awesome, and your love never ends." And this is this is a this is a prayer of a man who's walking with God, and we're going to get into that today, called "When You Pray." Then he has a declaration of who God is. Not God, we're in a mess. He then repents, and we talked about repentance over the last couple of weeks. He begins to take responsibility for why the walls are in the condition they're in, and he says, "Lord, forgive us." Then he gets real personal. He says, "Lord, forgive me for my part." In other words, I, I, I was one of those, I rejected you. I, I, I take ownership. And that is what repentance says. It takes like ownership. It doesn't justify sin. And it says, I take ownership of my sin and I turn from it and I turn to you, God, once again. And he, so he declares who God is. He begins to repent. And then we're going to go into today where he begins to pray specifically. And so we're going to talk about when you pray. Here's our key verse. Um, this is the good news. I, I, I love this because this is the end of all this. It says, on October second the wall was finished just 52 days after they had begun. And we're going to get into, in the weeks ahead, we're going to get into how God called them to work together. And it's a picture of the body of a picture of believers coming together, working together, fighting for each other instead of against each other in unity and commitment and prayer and loving God and loving each other. And God was able to work with them. And so they did their part. God did his part. And in 52 days, this wall that had been torn down and burned to the ground was rebuilt 52 days. It's miraculous what God can do when we set our hearts to it. So it is amazing what God can do in our lives when we say, God, I fully commit my heart to you. I turn from my sins." He can begin to redeem, restore, and rebuild those things that maybe have been torn down in your own life, Our relationships, our, our own parts of our marriages, our children, and the relationships that we have uh, with others. And God can begin to restore. Once again, that was torn down. And the first step toward redemption and restoration, I believe, is prayer. Not just saying, God, here's what's wrong. But as we talked about, a couple weeks ago that prayer, the chief purpose of prayer is knowing God. That we were created to have a relationship with God. And so that the chief purpose of prayer is to know God and be known by Him. Communication with God. How we relate to others is we communicate with them. How we get to know them. And so if the chief purpose of prayer is to know God, then the when we turn away from our sin and we acknowledge our sin is to reconcile that relationship and feel that relationship because it's not God who existed, it with us. So we repent, we return to Him once again. So then is your prayer life to know God? Because that is my heart, my hope, my prayer for you is that our prayer life would begin to... Be that we would live to know God. And so we're going to jump into where He starts praying specific prayers, specific things, because we're told to do so. We're told that we can bring our request to God, but it's all how we do it, right? Instead of our prayer life just being simply driven by what we need, it's driven by who we know, and then we can bring our request to Him. And so Nehemiah 1:11. Let's go into it. So after I say he declares he bought he it, He's and then he prays this prayer: Lord, let Your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering Your name." Did you get that? God, hear the prayer. Hear the prayer of the people who delight in revering Your name and Your and and and, and, and His name is who He is, right? His name is who he is. And so it the people who hear it, we want to know you. And that's what, that's what Nehemiah is saying. You know, fear the prayer of the people who want to know you. Are. We want to know you first and foremost. Give your further success today by granting and favor in the presence of this man talking about the king. Now back in those days, Esther had the same issue. You could not just approach a king Uninvited. You couldn't just go into his chamber and say, hey, you know, what's up, homie? I need this and that. You know, you didn't do that. You would lose your head if you did that. You had to be invited. And so this is what he's saying. He said, God, give me favor in the presence of this man. And then he leaves it at that and then he begins to trust God. Now let's fast forward. Let's go to Nehemiah 2. Okay, so he doesn't approach. So in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes and wine was brought before him, I put the wine in and gave it to the king. So he's prayed this prayer, now he waits, right? So there's a trust there's a this, Lord, I've, I've, I've told you, I'm asking for favor with this man, now I'm trusting you with the time. See, I have not been sad in friends before, so the king asked me, so you know, he's heavy with the news of Jerusalem's wall being torn down. The king asked me, "Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This could be nothing but sadness of heart." I was very much afraid. Again, it's all in you know. I, I, I better be careful where I'm going with this. But I said to the king, "May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and afflicted and destroyed by fire?" Okay, verse four. Then the king said to me, "What is it you want?" Okay, then notice what Nehemiah... Nehemiah doesn't just snap and just say, what do you want? look at this. Then I pray to the God of heaven. Then I answer the king. Do you see what's going on here? He doesn't tell the king, okay, wait a second. And he says, there is something going on in his heart. He's with the king. You're not going to tell the king wait just a second. But he is praying... In his heart, and he's meditating on God. He's walking with God. He is somewhat praying without ceasing, which we're going to get into in a, in a few minutes from Philippians. But he's pr- he's, he's he's praying. He's, he's thanking who he is, and, and so he prays, and then he gives an answer to the king. He said, the Lord, while walking with God, God gives him the answer, and he said, if it please the king if the servant that found favor in his heart, let him send you to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. And so God is right there. Uh, God gives him the answer to his prayer as he's walking with the Lord. And so prayer, it isn't simply us bringing our list of needs to God. Prayer is not something that we just do in crisis. That's what they, you know, that, and I said this a few weeks ago, you know, that whole that, that thing, there's no atheist in the foxhole. In the midst of bullets flying around your head, there's not a lot, there's people praying for something. God wants us more than just to be bring a lift of need to Him or in a time of crisis, go, so God, bail me out of this. Get me out of this. It's kind of crisis Christianity. God, I have a need. I need you to need it. I and mean, we haven't been walking with God before. And not, again, not just that He does not hear those prayers, but we get disillusioned when we just simply only approach God like that. And then if the prayer doesn't get answered the way we think it should, we just, uh, our hearts are broken. we devastated. How do we keep from being devastated? We walk in the key purpose of prayer is to know God in relationship and we're walking in Him. You're going to see this unfold as we go more and more. And again, my prayer for us, my hope is that we pray more than we ever have. But not just simply in a place of what God can do because the Bible he already knows what we have need of before we even ask it or think it. So we go from frantic, panicky praying, needs driven, to knowing God. So let's dig in the word about when we pray. I love that Jesus taught us to pray. That's why I titled this When You Pray, because people use that phrase, When You Pray. And then he goes on to talk and teach about prayer. And if Jesus is teaching us about something, I think we should probably listen. He's the expert on it. One place it says that his disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Isn't that interesting? That they didn't say this. They didn't say, I mean, because they saw all the great things that he did. They saw that he was a masterful teacher. They saw that he was, he could shut down the Pharisees, just like that, you know, these brilliant guardians of the law, very religious, and he had all the right. He could. They come to try to test them and he would just kind of send them on their way, you know, the their jail tail tucked between their legs. But he could feel, He had authority. He had power over demonic spirits, and his disciples didn't say, "Lord, teach us how to have a power over deeds. Lord, teach us how to heal. Lord, teach us how to teach, because what they was they saw something in him with his relationship with the Father. And so he says, Lord, teach us to pray because he understands all of that other stuff comes out of your relationship with the Father. And so teach us that. Teach us how to relate to the Father. And so Jesus gives, his, gives us direction in prayer. And, and again, in this passage, we're going to read the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to actually unpack that in a couple of weeks um, a bit further. We're going to kind of focus on maybe the first part of this prayer today, or the first part that Jesus teaches us on prayer today. But even when we get into the Lord's prayer, you know this was never intended to be this rote thing, our Father And, our, and I'm not saying it's wrong to pray that or this rote thing. I believe God is giving Jesus is giving us a template of how we are to approach the Father, how we are to pray. And if we can get this in our heart, it will revolutionize the way you pray. I guarantee you that. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong to just say, "Do the Our Father, who art in heaven, hallelujah." powerful, Jesus said to pray that way, but I believe if we unpack it further, we're going to see some things come alive to us in our prayer lives. Something very profound. But let's go to Matthew 6, and that's where we find this, go to Matthew 6. And when you pray, Jesus said, listen to what he says first, do not be like the hypocrites. Who's he talking about? It's the religious people of the day. again, They knew all the Old Testament, they were the guardians of the law. Um, Jesus, you know, really, he goes after them in several places. And he says you know, they love to walk through the city with their flowing robes, and they love to be called teacher. And they would, they had this ability, to, you know, they would stand up on these areas, and they would pray out these loud prayers, and the people would just stand by the way. Well, I have to talk about that. a like. That's what I mean, just, you know, Maybe not and it just, oh, how amazing. Look at how, and, so, and they loved it, and they would just to listen to the people talk about how awesome I am. So Jesus said, don't pray like that. He said, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corner to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, the, the, the God passed others us because that's the full reward. But when you pray, Go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Even in that, Jesus is saying something. He says, pray to who? Pray to your what? Your Father. Jesus. this is relational, you guys. He didn't say, pray to your Master, pray to your Lord. God is all of those things. So he says, pray to your Father. This is your Father you're talking to. This is your God. He loves you and wants a relationship with you. It says, "Your Father who sent me, your Father who sees what is been done in secret will reward you." And when you pray, do not keep on babbling on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For the next uh, slide. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Isn't that good news? He already knows what you need. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts of our sins, as we also forgive our debtors, those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory forever. So what is Jesus saying? When you pray, guys, pray with humility first of all. God is not impressed with our rehearsed religious words. God wants us to be honest and transparent and vulnerable with Him. He sees the humble heart. Remember when we talked about repentance last week? He, he pays attention to the humble and contrite heart. We talked about the two guys in the temple, you know, and the, the, the tax collector, Peter says he said, Lord, oh, forgive me for I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I heard the prayer of that, not the other guy who gave the list of how often awesome he was. And he was done and thank you God and i good guy. God is not impressed with our rehearsed religious prayers. God is impressed with our hearts when we are humble before Him. Some people go, I don't really know how to pray. And you speak, and you know how to pray. And we are just honest. God, I love you. Even when I don't get it, Lord, I I, I need you today. Lord, you see the things that I'm walking through in my life, and you see the difficulties. Thank you, God, that you're aware. And the Bible says that you already know what I have need of. And so, Lord, help me to walk with you. Help me to love you. Help me to understand you more. Help me to see something new about you that I never knew, God. He wants us to be honest not trying to impress others with how much you know. You ever in those prayer meetings and people want to preach prayer? They do the sermon that they've rehearsed in their heart and in God and says in your word that I'm listening that my and they will pray on and on and you're like, whoa. They're bringing out both guns today. And, and sometimes, not a thing that's wrong, but one but, but is just for, it's to impress others instead of being honest with God. I think we can miss out on that. It's the same way in human relationships. You know, we love people that are just, we're, we're, most of the time we love people that they're just an honest, transparent relationship. Right? Or, we we don't just approach people in relationships for what they can do for us. Or we shouldn't do this, but we don't just—we shouldn't just approach a relationship with others and say, you know, I'm going to do this grand thing for my wife, and then I'm going to video it and put it on Facebook to show people how awesome I am. We've all seen those. And then my wife's going, I'm going to give like a little things uh, every day instead of this and showing on Facebook for all the world. So we get it in human relationship. God wants us to approach Him honestly, transparently, loving Him, knowing Him more. And then Jesus says that when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who really is unseen. What is He saying that? You can get along with God. Have purposeful, intentional time where you're alone with God. and you're talking to your Father who is unseen. But make it a regular, holy habit that you just get alone with God. And that's the chief, that chief purpose of prayer is to know God. There are times of corporate prayer when you get people together and you pray together. There are times that's biblical and, and, and we are to do that. But it should also, it, it should be birthed in, prayer well, should be birthed in us knowing God's relationship. That's why, you. Here's it, 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 a similar analogy. You don't just. You, you don't just walk with God when you're at church on Sunday morning, right? You are walking with God. You are a Christian 24 seven. We come and corporately worship together. This is a small part of our walk with God is this, this Sunday morning gathering. And so we are to corporately pray together, and there's times where we come together and pray together, but we should all be praying. And knowing God individually. But carve out time. I encourage you, make it a priority. If you have time in your car in the day, if you're driving in it, but in your home, whatever you need to do, I guarantee this, when you approach it to know God, again, not just, God, here's my list. He already knows your list. But God, I love you. I want to know you more. I want to declare this like me and my, I you are holy and awesome and you're full of love. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that you are my Savior. When you get into this habit, it will become one of the sweetest things that you will ever do. And are, sometimes it will be hard. Sometimes you just do it out of obedience because you know He's there. Your Father was unseen. And so you do it in faith, believing that He hears us. There are days that you will not feel like it. And then there will be days where his presence will be so sweet, and it's just, man, it's just sweet. God, thank you for your presence. And then the following day, you'll feel like, what about that yesterday? And, but God loves us. Sometimes he will allow us to feel certain things and allow sometimes he won't. Because it, 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 it's a walk of work. realization of He's with you. So says, then your Father will see. We can't see Him, but He does see us. And there's, there's that faithfulness to saying, Lord, thank you. I can't see you, but I know you can see me. So what is done is secretly will reward you. Let's look at Hebrews 11. It says that faith passes on faith. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We can stop start, start right there. We can have a whole kind of sermon on faith. We're not going to do that, but as lot come people get concerned about what faith is, you know, and, and, and is faith just believing hard enough or praying the right prayers? No, it's none of those things. What is faith? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who are in his The writer of Hebrews is telling us what faith is, it's believing that he exists. It's believing that he's there. It's believing that when I'm talking to him, I believe that he hears me. Even maybe when I can't sense him or feel him, he's there. So, it's not faith in faith. It's trying to muster up something between God's and know that you have So, Jesus goes on and so says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling on like the pagans, when so they think they will be heard for their many words. So, sometimes we don't have to come to God and act like we're informing Him of something. Here's what the King James Version says about babbling it says, vain repetition vain, vanity. You know what vanity has to do with? me. So that's it. Don't pray. We're, don't come in and have these vain repetitions of uh, just about you. You're just praying about you and you and you and you. Uh, self-centered presumptuous there. I claim this or that. I know what God's will is and this and that. Because we're told by Paul we don't know how privileged we are in Romans 8. Doesn't that seem a little bit like confusing? But it doesn't have to be. Jesus, said, pray. Just tell him what you need. He already knows what you have need of. He, he's already aware of that. Don't babble on and don't pray these vain repetitions. But tell God what you need because He hears. And by the way, you don't know how to pray if you ought to pray. But I want you to pray. But you don't know how. But I want you to do it anyway. Doesn't that seem weird? And it's about knowing Him. That's why we don't know how to, we don't we ought Because sometimes we may not get the full mind of the Lord, and sometimes we don't see. You know, I think the process says His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and so sometimes we just don't know. I don't know how to pray for a specific thing this way or that way, but I do. I do know the approach in knowing Him, and that's the key for That's why we're told to know Him, to help, and pray, and trust. He already knows what we have need of before we ask for things. Again, I believe when we start getting this in the heart, it will change the way we pray. We will begin to think less of our list and more about Him. We will desire to know His will and know His heart and what's going on in the midst like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, the, the, the king says, bow to the idol, and they said, we won't. And he said, if you don't, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. I love their response. It's, it's the response. These are three guys that just, like, they're walking with God. And they don't say, oh king, we claim in the name of God that you will not throw us in that fiery furnace. They don't do that. They just said, king, here, here's the deal. And they said it very reverently. We're not going to bow because we're going to only worship God. And our God is able to save us from the power of eternity. But even if He does not, we not bow. In other words, they understood something here. We don't we don't know what we don't know the full extent of what God we know God can do a miracle, but He may not. But either way, because of eternity, we will... And so these three guys are just, just this confidence of saying, "We don't understand. We might die today, but we get to be with God." Or he's gonna jump in the fire, and he's gonna take all of these people. Out. Either way, we win. And so. This trust of God. I mean, they're going to that fiery furnace because, folks, we can see all of the There are people dying for their faith right now. These people are praying and asking God to deliver them and to be with them. And you know what? Some of them, we just heard recently the us to a group of Christians in their lives they cried out to Jesus. "Jesus, come to more. Either you're going to miraculously deliver us or we're getting ready to be with you. I do where Him." Sometimes God rescues and sometimes He doesn't. And so, what keeps our heart from being so hurt and, and devastated when we don't get the prayer is because we get Him all the time. We get Him if we're alive. We get Him if we're dead. We get eternity. We get life. And so, it's about walking with Him. so, we will. Again, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to unpack the Lord's Prayer. And my heart for us is that we speak prayer in a different way. And let's close with this and pull it in Philippians for I love this passage. Paul's going to teach us a little bit about prayer. Here he is writing from prison. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say, Rejoice as he's writing from prison. How do you have that revelation? You're walking with God. Paul does not say, God, if you loved me, I wouldn't be in this prison right now. If you really did care, I would be a free man being able to preach the gospel and I'd be able to do whatever I wanted to do. He does not say, that, God, I love you. I don't get it, but I'm serving you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He said, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Even in that prison. Even when God didn't rescue him, he said, you know what? I'm here, but the Lord is with me. Then he says something that just mows us all down. Do not be anxious about anything. Anybody failing that test this week? Some of us are anxious about everything. And Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. How? He says, in every situation, by prayer and petition with... Thanksgiving. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. Then he says, this, Here's the exchange when you do it that way. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, makes no human sense, but transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds and you. Isn't that cool? And then verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and God's peace will be with you. God wants us to walk in His peace and His breath. Yes, we can ask the Lord for certain things and yes, we are to pray and, and bring our requests to God, but we are to do it in a place of love and peace Not panicky, anxiety-filled prayers. It's God, I know you. I know who you are. I present my requests to you and i give you peace. And, and then Paul talks peace two times in that passage. So we start rejoice always. The, the person that walks with God finds something to rejoice about all the time. Even in your worst circumstances, you can find something to rejoice about. Guys, we need to practice that. that God is good. We need to start being more optimistic in God. That there's something that we can rejoice about all the time. And he said, let your gentleness be evident to all. That means you're walking in this peace of mind in the heart. and heart. And Paul says, let it be evident. Let people see that you are walking with you." Be a living testimony. And again, that's not to say that we don't go through hard times or anxious times or, or troubling circumstances. We all deal with them. But God wants us to bring us through them and not stay in them for years and years and years. And then He says this, and then it says, you know, well, you it, pray continually. And, and again, other verses say without ceasing. Again, okay, that doesn't mean that you walk around mumbling all the time. When you pray, the chief purpose of prayer is to know God. Praying without ceasing is the awareness that He's with you, that He hears you all the time. God, you are unseen, but you hear me. This is what Nehemiah was doing. Remember, he said, the king said, what do you want? And then this is Nehemiah prayed and then responded. In other words, this is his heart and his mind. Okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, I need strength. I need revelation. I need your direction right now. And the Lord begins to give him peace and the answer. We should live our days like that when we're going into situations when... Maybe you know there's a divine and maybe there's an point that you really don't you wouldn't have right now. We see that person. In mind, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me have the right words. Help me to have the right response. Help me to maneuver through this. Holy Spirit, teach me to be thankful. We're walking with God to realization. Of this. Then it says, in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I love that. It says, I thought prayer was petition. Right? It says, by prayer and petition. No prayer is knowing God. Petition is what we need. The chief purpose is to pray to know God. We bring our request, and messages with thanksgiving. God, thank you that you're already aware of my need. Thank you that you already are mindful. I'm not bringing you a bunch of information. God, just in case you didn't know, this is going on today. You didn't know that, right? And God like, right. I'm on mission. I, I was on that two thousand years ago. I knew your list before you even thought you didn't having a list. And so we're going approach God with just plans. frantic, hey, if you were wondering, I you know that the Lord I love you. You're there now. I bring my petition, but thank you, God, that you are all over it. Thank you, God, that you see. Thank you, God, that you hear. With thanksgiving. And then we have that exchange. What happens when we live like that? that the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace. you just walk in that rest and that peace. And it's evident to people, what's different about you? And again, it's not that I'm better, or better I'm walking with God. I'm walking in relationship with God. And then he ends this by saying to he finally, here's the thing we need to dwell on. And so my question is, what are you dwelling on? because anxiety is directly related to what we ruminate and what we dwell on in our minds. So Paul's trying to say, I want you to change the way you think. Remember Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, changing the way we think about. Because anxiety and fear and all those things, those unknowns and we're constantly stressed, it's what we dwell on. So Paul says, you've got to start changing what you're dwelling on and you do that by walking with God. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, think things that are actually praiseworthy. worthy. Dwell on those. Dwell on those things. Don't dwell on the things that, you know, oh no, it's a frantic time. And don't, don't live there. Don't live in that anxious toil. You can't do anything about that. God is aware of it. Walk with God Bring your requests and then walk in peace with Him. and some of you might say, but well, what about when we're told to ask anything in His name do be to give it to us? That when we pray, you don't doubt and believe and it, it will be done for us. Great questions. We're going to unpack those in two weeks. You can't wait, can you? Cliffhanger, will you stand with me? Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that you have invited us to a relationship with yourself. Lord, um, I, I think the greatest revelation that comes out of, out of today, um, Lord, for my own part as I was preparing this, is that when you pray, talk to your Father. That, Lord, you are our Father. That you call us into relationship. Jesus, by you even saying, He's your Father. Yes, He's Lord, He's Master, He's Creator, He's all of those things, but He is your Father. And you need to know that today, that God loves you. And he's inviting you into a relationship with himself. So you're not just talking to the air, you're not talking to the ceiling, you're not talking um, to some being that's way out there, you're talking to your father. And he hears you, and he wants to know you, and he wants to be known by you. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that you love us. I pray, God, that in just a new way, for wherever we're at today, in our walk with you, God, that we would give our hearts to you that we would begin, you would begin to revolutionize the way we pray, oh God, to know you. And Lord, to ask, and, and, and Lord, we are to ask for the things that need and bring needs, need, that we do in a place of trust and rest, because you are already aware of our needs. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for the honor to serve you, to worship you. a blessing of your people today and this week. In your mighty name, we pray.